This is literally everything. 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 to cut off all communication with the outside world, dust off your old VCR, and gather your collection of mixtapes. Then tease those bangs, put on your favorite pair of leg warmers. The nostalgia bug has bitten, and we're here to scratch the itch. I'm Odell. I'm Erin. It's time to go back where we belong. Hello, kids. Today, we're traveling back to May of 1980. I was eight years old. I was in second grade, at the end of second grade. Mrs. Barnes was my teacher. Oh, was she a good one? She was a good one. She was a grandmother of my friend Stacy's, and Stacy and I were like besties when we were young. So this would have been the year, and I remember this clearly. I can see the classroom setup. It's funny how all these years, like 40 some odd years later, I can uh-huh. remember the classroom set up, how we were sitting. We were in a big circle uh-huh. in the classroom. So we we're all facing each other. And we were reading one day and this kid named Radley. Boo Radley? No. Well, his first name was just Radley. Oh, <laughs> Instead of okay. Bradley, it was like Radley, but without the B. Maybe because he was rad. <laughs> Maybe. But we were reading and it was his turn. And he read, so it was supposed to be the boy went to the store and bought a bag of donuts for all of his friends to share. Oh, God. But he said, the boy went to the store and bought a bag of dog nuts for all his friends to share. (laughs) So we start laughing. And then he's looking really sheepish. Mrs. Barnes corrected him. And he giggled and then he farted. (laughs) Oh, my God. Radley. (laughs) And so then we started laughing hysterically at him, and he's just sitting there, like, shrinking in his seat, and he goes, ha-ha, and then there were two more little poots. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Radley, that sweet baby. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Never forget that. So that's what I remember about May of 1980. Well, I'm, I'm not sure when that incident happened, but it was in second grade, and that's was the end of my second grade year. Man. Yeah, this was uh, the final year that, I mean, I was two. (laughs) I was going to say, if you remember what you were doing. I don't fully remember what I was doing, but I can tell you the state of the relationships in my house. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I do remember these little things very well. Um, We had just moved into a new house. We called it the Gray House. Because it was head to toe gray, everything uh-huh. gray, um, but like a true darker gray. Like it kind of, if it <laughs> like had become dilapidated, yes, if it had become dilapidated, it would be the scary house on the street. Okay. Um, but it was a really cool house. Oh my God, I loved this house. So we had just moved in there. This is the year before my parents uh, divorced. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was our final like time as a family. This was right before my brother went to school, which I remember very well when he started going to school because we used to go to the babysitters who was next door, Benji. Mm -hmm. We used to go to her every day. And so I was very upset that my brother wasn't going to be there with me anymore. And so I, I remember crying the first day of school, which was, you know, right after this. 
crying on the first day of school and my mom made him hug me in front of his best friend, Rob. Oh God, he was, that hug, there was no love at all in that hug. I felt it at two years old. I knew that, oh, he really does hate me. So this was, um, yeah, so there was like the start of, you know, kind of career change for my mom. She was teaching piano, but she was going to be like huffing it and trying to get into ownership and of some of these studios. And and then my dad was going to leave soon and my brother was about to go to school. And so. <laughs> so you're on the precipice of we were, destruction yes, of the family. Yes, we were on the precipice for sure. All right. And I was just a little two-year-old like, hey, <laughs> riding my big <laughs> Everybody wheel. Everybody hates me. Yay. My big wheel was the, I mean, my only sense of freedom was that big wheel <laughs> until Nicholas next door shit in it. And then I was like, well, I'm not getting in that again. <laughs> Fucking Nicholas. Nicholas and Radley should hang out. <laughs> All right. Well, here's what was going on in the world on May 9th. The slasher horror film Friday the 13th was released in U.S. cinemas. That was my, I don't, well, no, Halloween was my first ever horror movie that I watched. That's a great one to start. That's why you love horror movies. Yes. Is because of Halloween. Did you like Friday the 13th? Even back I loved it. Back yeah. then you loved it? Okay. I still love it just because, I mean, it's so, it's horrible. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. But I love it. But I you have also, them. you did have that nostalgia with it. I didn't see that one until, you know, 10 years later, eight or nine years later. Mm-hmm. And Halloween stood the test of time, still oh, does. Yeah. Um, but it was when Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff came out that I really started watching. And then going back and watching, no, you know what? It still scared the shit out of me. Just that thought of, ugh, it's that whole camp thing. Mm-hmm. Being alone in camp yes. yeah, and someone stalking oh, you in the woods. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Yeah. Those are my favorite, the camp slashers. Yeah. On May 14th, never heard of this one, but Musical Chairs opened at the Rialto Theater in New York City and played for 15 performances. Oh, no. That's why you never heard of it. <laughs> right. Oh, but let's it still, revive it. But it still ran for more performances than Carrie initially did, right? It did. And now Carrie's like this cult classic. It there is. is a theater school in Houston, a school. Mm-hmm. There are children that are doing Carrie the Musical. Are they doing the revamped version, though? Because the revamped version's much better. Is it? I assume mm-hmm. it would be the revamped version. Right. But I was like a school, like, is there a Carrie Jr.? <laughs> Where, like, instead <laughs> of pig's blood, it's like glitter, and everyone celebrates her difference. You know, her differences. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm seeing it, obviously, because it's children doing Carrie. So, yeah, I'm, I'll be to. there. On May 16th, Brian May of rock band Queen collapsed on stage due to complications from hepatitis. Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) On May 18th, something that affected where I live now, the eruption of Mount St. Helens in Washington State triggered the largest landslide in history. It killed 57 people and caused over $1 billion in damage. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when that happened because my aunt and uncle lived in Ritzville, Washington at the time. And we went up to see them probably a couple of months after this happened in the ash that was still on the ground. You had to wear N95 masks when you're outside because yeah. the ash could get in your lungs. But, so they only I mean, I felt still... the ash in Washington. Like it didn't go over to Idaho where you were 
No, it didn't get it was that just far. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way it blew, it like blew out the back of the mountain. Cause like I mm-hmm. can see Mount St. Helens from where I live now. It's right here, but it didn't blow toward Portland. It like blew the back of the mountain. Off. Right. Right. Um, and so went more up. I mean, we still got ash here in Portland, but. It's crazy to see the before and after pictures. Mm-hmm. Like it blew it out. Yeah. So yeah. scary. And it's funny to see because, I mean, I'm in Volcano Central here, but like Mount Hood has it still has the point on it. Mm-hmm. And then you look over and you see Mount St. Helens and it's like not <laughs> like the nipple blew off the titty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will think of that anytime <laughs> I see if I see that in person or in a picture. On May 20th, drummer Pete Chris quit the rock band Kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like forever? I guess. I don't know. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers won the 1980 NBA Finals after they defeated the Philadelphia 76ers, 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 4 to 2. Okay. And then on May 23rd, the horror film The Shining released, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, based on the book by Stephen King. And I call that out because I just mentioned Mount Hood and the exterior of Mount, the lodge up at Mount Hood, Timberline, is used as the exterior of the hotel in The Shining. So we had Friday the 13th and The Shining released in the mm-hmm. same month. Same month. That yep. was not October. Right. Oh, I me. love that. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States at this time. Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister of the United Kingdom. This was also the time when the Atlanta murders of 1979 to 1981 took place, where at least 28 children and young adults were murdered before Wayne Williams was eventually arrested and convicted. So scary. Did we talk about that on Six Degrees of What the Fuck? We did not do the Atlanta child murders. You did one about... The highway murders that took place, I think, after this one. Yes, yes. It was hard doing anything with children. Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. On TV, people were watching popular shows such as MASH, Little House on the Prairie, Charlie's Angels, and Soap. Oh, with Billy Crystal. Nice. Uh, children and teenagers were watching television show, television shows such as Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, and Different Strokes. What loved me a great time for children right? <laughs> to be alive. Popular toys at the moment included the water ring toss, speak oh. and spell, the big wheel. Uh, hello. And the Rubik's cube. Wow. I love how simple things were back then. Right. Like, give me a block to just twist around and try to make the colors match. I don't need a cell I phone. I tell you, the speak I don't need and spell. I totally forgot about that. And do you remember the thing that had the, um, it was like a dial and you'd mm-hmm. pull the string. Oh, and, and it would make the like, animal noises? Uh, yeah. So like, oh, yes. chicken says. Yes. <laughs> the horse oh, says. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that it thing. Was so, it was so, so very simple. But it was better, like, I feel like the generation before that really had to use imagination Right. This generation gave us a little more to work with. You know, we started getting more like educational toys Mm -hmm. instead of just dolls and cars and things like that. Right. You know, but I almost love that because like when I was a kid, we had things that 
you had to use your imagination. I feel like that's why I have such an active imagination Mm -hmm. now. I also feel like it's why I'm so easily entertained. Like I can sit down and watch a movie and I might know it's horrible, but I, when I sit down to watch it, I'm like, I'm going to be entertained by this. I don't care. I don't care. I will find something to laugh at if it's horrible. I might be touched. Who knows? But I'm going to love this because it's entertainment. Whereas now standards are much higher because there's so much available. But back then it was just like, I just, I'm going to entertain. I'm going to somehow I'm going to entertain myself. Yeah. We are definitely the generation of figuring out on our own how to entertain ourselves. Right, right. There was no one, you know, taking us to the zoo every day. And, you know, oh, my gosh, the things I would do with and for my kids. And it's all pressure from other Mm -hmm. moms. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a ridiculous high standard that you have to meet. And they're they're like... You need to give your kids stimulation. You need to give your kids education. And I'm like, I feel like I'm more, better adjusted having had to sit there and find my own way of entertaining myself and using Mm -hmm. my own imagination, picking up a book Mm -hmm. or making up a game. Like, I mean, thank God my girls do read more than they do anything and they play board games and things like that. Thank goodness. mm -hmm. But there's, so I saw Barbie Friday night. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Like, absolutely amazing. But there's this whole speech where she basically, one of the characters talks about the many, many contradictions. Mm-hmm. And like one example, we got lectured at a PTA meeting because they said kids were spending too much time on screens. Mm-hmm. However, all textbooks and worksheets and everything now is all on screens, Mm -hmm. all of it. So Emma would get home from school and I would check her usage just out of curiosity. And out of that, what, seven, eight hour school day, Mm -hmm. she she will have had six hours of screen time. But then we get yelled at and lectured because they're spending too much time on the screen. So it's like, Spend time on the screens only for educational, but then don't spend any time. How are you supposed to tell a kid that? Right. You know, they're confused about like, wait, so I can use it here, but then I can't use it here. But then this over here stresses me out. So I want to use it here so I can just use my coloring app or use, you know, Mm -hmm. play a game or something like that. And tune out. it's just full of contradictions. Whereas back then, you know what? You got a colorful cube. (laughs) Right. Practice your spelling for a little bit. It's just fun to see like what word is going to come mm-hmm. up. Listen to some cows. Or Simon. Remember Simon? I still have Simon and love Simon. <laughs> Simon stresses me out because when you get that like, oh, you've got so many like, don't fuck it up mm-hmm. now. Oh, and as soon and as go, I went. Like everyone knew when you fucked up. <laughs> yes, there was no hiding. There's no cheating in Simon at no. all. You oh, and so the good. neighbors know exactly. that you fucked up on Simon. <laughs> all right. Let's take a look at the top 10 songs this week. So at number 10, we had Biggest Part of Me by Ambrosia. No idea what that song is, but no. I love that there was a group named Ambrosia. Yes. Number nine, Another Brick in the Wall, part two by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer by Kenny Rogers with Kim Carnes. I love that Kenny Rogers and Kim Carnes did a duet. I don't, I don't remember know that, that song, yeah. but I feel like I need to rediscover it. 
Number seven, You May Be Right by Billy Joel. That's a I fun may one. be sorry. Number six, Sexy Eyes by Dr. Hook. Don't know that I song. I don't know that one, but I want to. <laughs> right. Number five, With You, I'm Born Again by Billy Preston and Sarita. No idea what that is. Mm-mm. Number four, A Little Funky Town by Lips Inc. Won't you Love take me one. to Funky Town? <laughs> That's a great song. Number three, we had Lost in Love by Air Supply. I don't know that one. Number two, A Little Ride Like the Wind by Christopher Cross. I do remember that one. And at number one, Call, Call me, me by Blondie. Love that one. Avec moi. Oh, God, so good. She taught us some French. She did. A little bit of everything. So, obviously, my song from the movie that I'm choosing is Fame by Irene Cara. We have to go with that one. Absolutely. And I'm also going to add Funky Town by Lips Inc. Oh, good. Number, um, what was it? Number Number four. Four, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's fabulous. I'm going to add number 17, Brass and Pocket by The Pretenders. I don't bow, know bow, that bow, one. Bow, bow. Oh, you do. Shit, we see you singing in the band. <laughs> make you, make you, make you love me. Okay. <laughs> gonna use my arms, gonna use my legs. Obviously, you sing the like harmonies and yes. the chorus. Because I'm yes, like, I don't know any you of don't the... sing the song because you don't know the lyrics. I don't know any lyric except. Gonna use my arms. That's my my <laughs> harmony. And um, what's the title? Back, uh, or no, Brass in Pocket. The Pretender. You will recognize it as soon as it starts playing. It is so good. I love that song. <laughs> All right. So there we go. And just a reminder, our playlists are available on our website at backwherewebelong.com. And they provide links to either Spotify or Apple Music. So click those links and you'll have access to the full playlist. They're they're building up. We got quite they're a few so songs. They're so good. And they're banging. I love them. Yeah, my my girls love the 80s one. Yeah. Love. All right. One last thing we're going to do before we jump into the movie is I had trouble finding like what else can I do that would like spark some good conversation cuz Sweet Valley High wasn't out at the time. <sighs> so, what I found was what was happening on One Life to Live. (gasps) And I call this one out because some pretty big characters that really like affected the trajectory of the show were introduced in the early 80s. Who? So I'll get there. This is a big time of change for One Life to Live. And this is according to academic.com. I love that there is a whole thing about what was going on with um, One Life to Live on academic.com. Right. But the Wolak sisters, so Karen Wolak, you remember Karen? She was played by uh-huh. Judith Light back in the day. I do remember. Yes, yes, yes. And wasn't she Vicky's sister? Wasn't I thought so, Vicky yeah. a Wolak? Yeah. So they yes. were going through some changes. So the major storyline in 1979 leading up to 1980, Vicky was on trial for murdering Marco Dane. Okay, I remember, remember hearing about this. Yes. Okay. Well, then once Marco was gone, fans were in an uproar because ABC didn't realize how popular this character was. So they brought him back. Of course they did. But he was Mario. Okay. Twin? Yeah, twin. Okay. Okay. But then later on, they found out that 
Mario was the one that was actually killed. Oh. Marco's still alive. So Marco was playing Mario. Okay. When okay. Mario was dead. God, I love soap operas. <laughs> but then Karen and Marco were a huge, and I remember Karen and Marco being like the huge couple. They were kind of rivaled Luke and Laura on General Hospital. Mm, mm-hmm. This was also when, so Tina, Vicky's yes. daughter, right? Yes. She was in place and Vicky was doing her do, do at the, what was it? The Landview. What was the, the newspaper? She was a publisher of the banner. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my um, God. Wait. And, and this then, was the original Tina, the one who just passed away not too long yeah, ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. With her red Andrea, hair, just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But so Vicky's, you know, she's the editor of the banner. Tina was a hellion. She had one bad news boyfriend after the other. Mm-hmm. But then in walks Clint Buchanan. <gasps> Cowboy. Yes. He was very popular. He and he and Vicky like had went head to head for a while. This love hate thing going on between um, them. Of course. Hot. He was the JR of well, actually, the JR was his dad, Asa. Yes. No, you're totally right. Asa so they brought Asa and his brother, Bo, in. Yes. And Asa God, was this horrible Bo. piece of shit, but he was so popular with viewers. Yes. Like, they were just going to be like a little storyline and then Clint and Vicky, like a blip there. But then Asa was so popular with viewers, they kept him on. Mm-hmm. And it became basically the Buchanans. Instead of the took over wool, whatever. The Woolocks. Okay. Yeah. Asa ended up buying the banner. And then Vicky and Clint were like co-leading it. They ended up falling in love. Eventually they get married. How many times were they married? I don't <laughs> so I feel remember. Like they got married and divorced they, and married and divorced. They were a couple for a lifetime. <laughs> they were. They just were. I think they were still together when the show finally went off yeah, the air. Yeah, they were together whenever it, there would be a split up. They would always get back together. Yep. They also, this is when Olympia, Ace's first wife, they thought mm-hmm. she had died, but then they find out that she was still alive. We also had the role of Dorian, who was Vicky's like nemesis. Yes. But she oh was recast. God. So initially someone else played her, but then Robin Strasser was recast as Dorian mm-hmm. and became the definitive portrait of the character of Dorian. She and Vicky at one time during this time were fighting over Clint. Yes. So that just furthered the Vicky-Dorian problem. But then didn't they <laughs> eventually, I don't think they were ever truly friends, but they, the the divide between them wasn't as bad, if I remember correctly. Of course, yeah. I stopped watching One Life to Live right about the time I started college because I was more of a Days fan by then. Yeah, I watched my big days of One Life to Live were 1984, 85 mm-hmm. through the 90s. Okay. I mean, I dedicated myself to that show. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, the thing, I watched it more when I was a kid because my mom watched them and she would start mm-hmm. with Ryan's Hope. We had Ryan's Hope, All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, Edge of Night. And See, I just didn't do Edge of Night. I did all the others. Okay. And my dad would come home for lunch in time to watch One Life to Live because he loved Asa and Clint Buchanan. Mm-hmm. And so that was, we all sat down during the summer as a family and had our lunch while we watched One Life to Live. I love that. <laughs> that is amazing. Also during this time, Karen, um, I guess she had a housewife hooker storyline. 
<laughs> I love that they call it a housewife hooker. Housewife hooker. She was just having men over or something? I like guess. A, okay. But she went undercover. This was in 1981, so maybe I should have saved this. But she went undercover posing as a prostitute while investigating the murder of her cousin, Vinny. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Um, she and Marco got framed for a murder, kind of a la Luke and Lori. Laura. Luke and Laura on yeah. General <laughs> Hospital getting framed yeah. for something. So they had to go on the run from the mob. And then they had control chips implanted in their brains by the evil Dr. Ivan Kipling. And Karen had to be saved from Kipling's jungle hideaway. I vaguely remember the jungle hideaway. (laughs) This is just, God, I would love to just sit in the writing room on soaps because it is literally anything goes. Like some of those insane stories, no one dies. You can easily bring someone back. I've never, I will say, from the 80s, I thought quicksand would be a much bigger problem in my future. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And I thought that twins were everywhere. And I was very concerned. Everyone had an evil one somewhere. Yes. And I was very concerned about amnesia. That (laughs) could easily happen to anyone at any time. And multiple personalities. And multiple personalities. There were so many things in the 80s that really took up my time yes. I had that none of them happened. So I kind of feel lied to about a right? few things. So a little slighted. But do I think of quicksand every fucking time I'm at the beach? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm waiting for it to happen. And I'm waiting to find my evil twin. It's gonna happen. Someday. Oh, man. And you know, and whenever the evil twins would come out, there was never any talking to the parents. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, what? when did you, how, what happened to the baby? Right. There and how did you not know us. that a second one came out? <laughs> I know there's a lot of confusion down there. I feel <laughs> like I would have known if a second baby popped out. Right. Oh, my God. So good. So there we go. That's what was happening on One Life to Live. Uh, how about we take a break and then chat about some fame? Sounds great. Young men and women audition for coveted spots at the New York High School of Performing Arts. Those who make the cut discover that it takes a lot of hard work to become a star, and sometimes difficult decisions have to be made. The movie spans four years and focuses on a select group of youngsters who not only struggle to keep up, but also grapple with heavy issues such as homosexuality, abortion, attempted suicide, and illiteracy. So, Fame received a limited release in mid-May. So, May 16th was when it first released in just a couple of theaters. It gradually progressed to a wider release in the United States by June 20th, 1980. So every week they'd just do a few more. Yeah. Why did they do that? What is the benefit? I think maybe because they weren't sure how popular it would be. So to start garnering so like right. yeah, reception. They did the same thing with Halloween. Like when Halloween huh. was released, it only went to a couple of theaters. And then word of mouth was so big that it re-released the following year nationwide. Okay. But initially, it just like peppered out through tiny um, little theaters just to get um, a feel for how it was going to 
how it was going to do. The film had a production budget of $8.5 million, but ended up grossing over $42 million. Good job. It spawned a TV show, a stage musical, and a remake in 2009. It was released by MGM. Fame has a Rotten Tomato score of 79% critics and 69% audience. Critics' consensus is just because fame is a well-acted musical doesn't mean it flinches against its surprisingly heavy topics. Totally agree. I absolutely agree. So the movie focuses on a handful of students. We have Coco, who was a triple threat at the school, played by Irene Cara. She sang the movie's title track. Mm -hmm. She also wrote and performed the title track to Flashdance and won an Oscar for the song. She was in a few other things, but before her turn on fame, she was a part of the electric company when she was a kid. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We oh, also had Lee Carreri as Bruno, the defiant mm-hmm. musician who was all about keyboards and electronic sounds, much to the chagrin of his music teachers. Mm-hmm. He reprised the role of Bruno on the TV version of fame. Oh. We also had Maureen Tiffy playing Doris. We probably best know her as Sharon in Grease 2, which was released a couple of years later. And you know, I've always thought she looks like a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Totally does. Exactly. We also had Gene Anthony Ray as dancer Leroy, who had reprised his role in the TV show as well. Mm-hmm. Then we had Paul McCrane as Montgomery, a theater student who was struggling with his sexuality. He would later play Robert Romano on ER. And then we had Barry Miller as Ralph, an up-and-coming comedian. He was in Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta a couple of years before this movie. Okay. And then we also had Debbie Allen in a bit part as Lydia, one of the dance teachers. She would go on to reprise this role on the TV show and had a much larger role in TV. Mm -hmm. And again, that series ran from 1982 to 1987. Okay, it's a pretty good run. Now, I couldn't find a comprehensive list of what the top 10 movies were going into this weekend. But here's what was number one for the few weeks leading up to May 16th. I just found this super interesting. So going back to March, we had Coal Miner's Daughter, which was number one. Then the second week it opened, uh, through, well, it wasn't number one the first week. It moved to number one. The second week was open, and then it was knocked out by Kramer versus Kramer on March 26th. Okay. That was at number one for only one week, and then Little Darlings oh, kicked it out of spot and was number, one, was number one for two weeks, and then Kramer versus Kramer took the number one spot again for four weeks. Then it was knocked out by Friday the 13th on May 14th, so the same weekend. Wow. That was at number one for two weeks, and then The Empire Strikes Back opened on May 28th oh, and, and then knocked Friday the 13th was, out of the number one. Yeah. Was Fame ever number one? I didn't see where it was number one, but it, I, they had a rolling rollout, yeah. so I think it was hard it for probably it to never ever would have that gotten, spot. Yeah, right. it wouldn't have gotten number one. I mean, but it did pretty well. I mean, it yeah, ranked in $42 million and only had an $8.5 million budget, so... Yeah, it definitely went, did well. Had you ever seen this movie before? Oh, yes. I mean, you're. It, this was like, I remember seeing this and being so excited that there were schools that allowed you to dance, sing, act, do music, yep. all of that. I was the same way. Yeah, I had no idea those existed. And we have a very famous one down here in in tech in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. 
Houston School of the Perform or High School for the Performing and Visual Arts, which is essentially the exact same where academics are expected to, you know, stay up, which you didn't mention who played the teacher and Mira, who yeah, 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 is yeah. Ben Stiller's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I was just so excited that that existed and had my dreams of like, dancing down the hall and busting into song in the cafeteria and then <laughs> you know mom pulling up and blaring music in the street right. and us taking over <laughs> like totally had those dreams yeah see i saw the movie but i saw the movie later i started watching the tv show when it was released mm. because when the movie was released again i was only in second grade right wasn't going to the theater to see it I don't even know if it played at the theater near where I grew up, but I knew the song and loved yes. the song. And so then when I saw there was a TV show, I watched the TV show and then I saw the movie probably like in 86 or 87. Yeah. And I was used to the characters, the actors who played the characters on the TV show. So when I saw the movie, I was like, it threw me off a little bit because some of them were the same. Right. Others weren't. Like, right. Um, Maureen Teefy didn't play Doris. Someone else played Doris. Yeah. Lori Singer from Footloose mm-hmm. was in the TV version and she played the girl who struggled to fit in, like with her teachers. She was a dancer, but teachers didn't really care for her. Right. So she was only on the school or on the show for a couple of years. There was a different Coco, uh, but she looked a lot like Irene Cara. Okay. I don't think I ever watched the TV show. I was obsessed with the TV show. I think I may have watched it all five years. Oh, wow. But like you, this show showed me that, oh, you can do this because Mm -hmm. these were all the things that I liked and wanted to do and wanted to do more of. Right. But you would never see in a small Idaho town, especially growing up in a family of cowboys and ranchers who... Guys don't do this. So to see that there were boys and girls yeah, at a school dancing, singing, acting, playing instruments, and it was totally normal. I was like, oh, well, maybe one day I can have that. You yeah. know? So that was one, just another glimmer of hope for me because it was so outside my realm of understanding. Like we had PE, we had band, But in PE, we didn't dance. Right, right. (laughs) And we had drama, but you didn't get to take drama until you were in high school. Right. You know, when you were in sixth grade, you got to act in the Christmas play. But that was that was all we had. We didn't have that day, day in, day out. So, yeah, the concept was surprising and hopeful to me. Yeah, I can totally see that because you also wouldn't have had in a small town a high school for that specifically no no Uh -uh. yeah i had a lot of friends who went to hspva and i auditioned for them and got in for voice Mm -hmm. but the director over at the high school i eventually went to was very very um persistent about getting me to go there instead because Mm -hmm. they were considered one of the best theaters in Houston, way mm-hmm. over HSPVA just for production value. And so I ended mm-hmm. up going there to do the better shows. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there have been times where 
I think that kind of school prepares you much better for real life having to prove yourself and huff it. Right. Like, right. I really, really do. Cause I didn't have to really experience that in yeah. high school. So the movie starts out with auditions as one. I loved that what we see through the movie is you start with auditions and you get freshman year, sophomore year, yes. junior year, senior year. And it ended with the senior program showcase. that they put yeah. together. Showcase. Yeah. So started with the auditions and it took me back to theater auditions. Oh my gosh. Like, can you imagine sitting through some of these? Oh my gosh. No. And being a music teacher now, can you imagine having to take days and days and days? No. Listening to prospective students come in and audition for you. Oh my God. And no. knowing that this was just the beginning. Like this was yeah. how you kicked off the school year. Like you still had a full year ahead of you. I just remember being exhausted after just days of trying to cast a show. Yes. And they were all over the place in this yeah. one. All <laughs> over the place. Yeah. I cannot, I cannot imagine. And I can't imagine with people that young having to turn anyone away. Like that one yeah. girl who went there with Leroy, mm -hmm. which can we talk about that dance audition? Oh, <laughs> My God. Grabbing the crotch. And then he was like lifting his leg and slapping his ass. And Debbie Allen as a teacher is like, uh, she's Ooh, like, yeah, oh, baby. yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's so <laughs> fucking weird when you think this kid is going into his freshman year. Right. So he's like 15. Right. And there, I, I, I honestly, given that audition, I would have been like, oh, F to the no. Absolutely yeah. not to both of you. Yep. You know, but it did break my heart when he got to go upstairs and she had to go downstairs and mm -hmm. she was like, I'm out, motherfucker. Like, I love how she left. She let it all go, which is what <laughs> all did. of us want to do. Whereas <laughs> what in reality they would tell us, you know, you have to stay calm. The tears are not for there. Do not complain yep. about getting it, you know, or not getting it. I mean, there's a list because you never know. You're going to try to audition next year. You want to have a good impression that, you know, I can take rejection. Like it mm -hmm. sucks. So it was nice just that theater part of me that, I mean, hasn't, you know, been activated in a very long time. But that right. theater part of me where I was like, oh, she's saying what we all want to say <laughs> when, <laughs> when we don't get it. Who was your favorite audition? Do you remember? Did one stand out for you? You know, I really love the funky red-haired guy. What is his name? Montgomery. Montgomery. I love mm -hmm. that character. I, his, he was my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. I really, really love that character. Doris, her audition made me so uncomfortable. It did. It did. Her mom. But she did such a great job of portraying. Yes. Because it's such a juxtaposition between her character in Grease 2, who is so, like, forward yes. and commanding she and did a knowing great that, job yeah knowing how she can sing so well and she was so hesitant in this one yes like, so mousy she did an amazing job she really did but her audition made me very uncomfortable and then what's his face bruno all of the mm -hmm. auditions made me uncomfortable in all honesty yeah. except yeah. for probably yeah. montgomery yeah Ralph's was especially because he was just like trying oh, to get into the school. It 
And so he'd go in and tell his different story, like, well, my dad, blah, blah, blah. That's the one that made me uncomfortable. Bruno was the keyboardist guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Bruno, I actually loved because as a piano teacher, there are a lot of piano teachers who will not accept students if they don't have an acoustic piano, like a Mm -hmm. classic one. Mm -hmm. If they have a digital or anything like that. They won't accept them as students, which I uh-huh. think is insane because right. when you look at composers from like, if you look at Beethoven, for example, he kept trying to find the newest, you know, pianos that you could find. And if he came here now and said, um, like what Bruno was saying to that teacher when they were working on Canon and D or whatever, and he was like, yeah, I can be the whole orchestra. Right. You know, with his stuff. Like if Beethoven came down and saw that in one instrument you could make an entire orchestra, he'd be like, why the fuck are you guys on a piano? Right. Like, that is a dinosaur compared to what you have now. So I've yeah. never understood that. So I loved Bruno and his audition. Like, good for you. That made me happy. The rest made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! I had the biggest crush on Bruno when I was a kid because those eyes. Oh, those eyes and that curly hair that was mm-hmm. dark. He was just—he was very—he was very, very adorable. Yeah. So after auditions, obviously we move into freshman year. I just wrote down a few notes as I was watching freshman year. I was like, "Was conditioner a thing?" <laughs> Everyone's hair looked so dry it looked so fried and frizzy yes except for irene cara who had the micro bang (laughs) exactly oh my gosh this is so so tiny she was really tiny 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 i didn't realize so 1980 oh my god i mean just coming off the 70s obvious too you can see the 70s influence but you can mm -hmm. see like just moving into this new decade and this like refreshed energy, you know? Yep. Yeah. This is also when we realize that Leroy can't read. Um, he's struggling and mm-hmm. he's doing great in the artistic side of things, but in his day-to-day studies, he's the way he talks read. to that teacher. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I cannot. Can you imagine? No. Like Emma or Peyton talking to a teacher like that and not being completely kicked out. And then destroying, like, on all she does is shut the door, but he's destroying the hallway, breaking glass (laughs) everywhere and freaking out. Oh, they, I guess they're used to that there. You got a bunch of artistic people who are very Mm -hmm. expressive. Oh, my God. And then this was also when we can see Doris, like, she got in. She's very hesitant. She's having the whole time her character arc is she's just having a difficult time finding out who she is. She doesn't have a lot. You know, she learns in her drama classes that you need to draw on personal experiences, like pay attention to everything you do in your life to draw on those experiences later to express your character on stage. And she just realized that her life has always been pretty basic. Yeah. Like she's seeing everyone else around her. Um, but she has these aspirations of fame and that continues to grow and grow and grow. And this is when she kind of has a crush on a senior mm-hmm. who, when he leaves, he tells her, she asks him where she's go- he's going to college. He's like, oh, well, I have all these auditions in California and I have right. an agent. They saw me in this play. And so that kind of ignites a fire in her because she's like, oh, I can do this and I can yeah. reach these great things. Well, not that character, did you say Boyd Gaines? 
being that no. character, Michael. I mean, Boyd okay. Gaines has had like a million bit parts in different right. things. Um, but he was, he's pretty recognizable after that. But yeah, Michael. Mm-hmm. Then in our sophomore year, this is when Montgomery comes out as gay to mm-hmm. Doris. We also, this is when we get the big dancing in the streets scene where <sighs> Coco and Bruno have teamed up. She wants to make music. She sees that he's like this amazing um, pianist. She loves his, or pianist. She loves the electronic keyboard. Mm-hmm. So they wrote a song together. Well, Bruno's dad, probably the cutest character in the whole thing. He's so proud I of his mean. son and the things you know he's doing. So he stumbles upon Bruno's song that he and Coco did and puts a speaker on top of his cab, pulls up in front of the school and pl- blares fame. Yep. And all the students come out from the school and they're dancing in the streets, basically shut down New York traffic, which I just love that scene. I love that scene. And people, this is another thing that I thought we would do much more of is dance on cars. <laughs> right. I never got to dance on a car. No, anytime I crawled up on top of the car, my dad was like, you're going to bend the hood. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. People didn't understand. We needed to express ourselves. Exactly. On a car. On a car. Specifically. If it could be a taxi cab, that's even more bonus points. Totally. Um, we also get the idea that Montgomery might have a crush on Doris, though Ralph or might have a crush on Ralph. Right. But Ralph is obviously like doing that thing that boys do where they pick on a girl to flirt with her because they don't know how to express themselves. So, so toxic and annoying. Yes. <laughs> but <sighs> super prevalent very, in the 80s. Yes. Very popular approach back then. And even now, it's just people not knowing how to handle some emotions. Y'all mm-hmm. get your shit together. Go to therapy. Everyone needs it. Go on. But then junior year is when things really start to turn. Uh, Ralph's sister is attacked. Ralph spent the night out with, well, not the entire night out, but he was out with Montgomery and Doris working on a scene. And his other sister fell asleep. So his little, little sister went outside of the apartment, walked downstairs, and was attacked by some junkies. Now, how she was attacked, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Whether she was just beaten or if it was something much worse, I'm glad that they kind of didn't go into the details. Yeah, yeah. This really fucks him up because his mom, rather than go to the police, she goes to the church and prays. And he wants to take his little sister to the hospital. And so he was really pissed that his mom went to the church versus to the hospital and to the police first. This is also when Doris decides that since her name is boring, She's going to start going by Dominique DuPont. Girl. Girl. This is also when she and Ralph start dating. And Montgomery has a a reaction to that. This is when we really finally see that he did have a crush on Ralph because he sings a song. Yes. I forget what the song is titled. But he sings a song at his home one night and while Doris and Ralph go to see Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. And this is when Doris really starts to let her guard down. She tries weed for the first time. She's inspired by Rocky Horror and the interaction with the audience. And she takes off her shirt and runs up on stage and starts doing the time warp with the, the other folks. 
This is also when the three of them, Doris, Montgomery, and Ralph, go to a restaurant, and the dude that graduated her freshman year that told her he was going Michael. on for all these auditions, mm-hmm. he's a waiter. And this is when they have their first taste of reality. It's like, oh, we think we're just going to graduate here and automatically be on Broadway or be in a movie. Yeah. And and this was the top is, dog at the school. Like, right. probably those thoughts of if he can't do it. Yep. Who's to think that we can? Yep. And so they realize that, oh, shit, this is much tougher than mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be. Then we move into our senior year. Ralph tries stand-up. He's a hit. Um, Leroy had met this French girl. Well, she wasn't French, but she had spent some time in France. She was a dancer that got admitted to the school. They started dating. She ends up getting pregnant, has an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that Leroy was asked to join Alvin. Is it Alvin Ailey or Alvin, Alvin Ailey? Alley? No, Alvin, Alvin Ailey. Alvin Ailey's dance company. And he needs the teacher to sign off on it, saying that he's going to graduate. The problem is he's flunking all of his basics. He's excelling in the arts, but right. like math, English, all that stuff, because he can't read, he's flunking and she won't sign off on his thing. Um, Coco, who has stars in her eyes the entire time, wants to be a star. She finally meets a guy at a coffee shop who asks her to come and do a screen test. Unfortunately... <sighs> It's a casting couch situation where he records her and asks her to take off her shirt. And she's crying the whole time. Mm -hmm. God, that was hard to watch. Yeah. And then Ralph feels the pressure because he's doing great with stand-up comedy. He's actually got a job at this comedy club. But Montgomery has been supplying Ralph with drugs the entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ralph wants more drugs, but Montgomery's like, yeah, buddy, I don't think that's a good idea. And Ralph has a breakdown, tells Monty he knows that he's gay, calls him the F-slur, says, I know basically that you're in love with me. And he's basically let the success of the comedy club get to his head. He fights mm-hmm. with Doris. They break up. He goes up on stage and ends up bombing, and who comes to his rescue to help comfort him but his good friend Montgomery? Of course. And then we close with the senior showcase. Wait, did you recognize Mm. the guy who introduced him at the comedy club? Was that Andrew Dice Clay? No, it was Richard Belzer, or Belzer, Belzer. Who was in um, Law and Order SVU for oh, ever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the one. Now I that had, you say that, I had totally forgotten he got his start in stand up. Totally okay. forgotten that, and then yeah, ended up on SVU. All right, interesting for years. Yeah, but we close out with the senior showcase. They sing the body electric, and then the movie ends. So, how did you feel about the ending? I wish we had known a little bit more about where did they go? Yeah, I on one hand, I kind of do. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, this is perfect because when you graduate, there's a lot of hope. Right. But there's a lot of unknown, too. Yeah. And that's kind but of what we build us. up to. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know where, you really? know See, how I, I like, like everything tied up with a bow. I don't you like do. open ending. Uh, movies. I, they drive me crazy. Tell me what happened. Is Coco okay? Did she <laughs> move past everything? Are 
Ralph, like, did we know if Ralph and Doris stayed together? It looked like they didn't because when they were getting fitted for their cap and gown, she totally brushed past him. Yeah. Wouldn't even talk to him. Like, did Monty, I feel like Monty really could have made it in like stage plays. And Mm -hmm. I mean, just what happened? So I I I did not like that ending. Because I can make up the own, my own ending in my head of what happened with the character. So, I mean, what if the school burned down after they sang the body electric and everyone died? I mean, that's then tell us. <laughs> then tell us. Did Michael ever get a show? Is he still waiting tables? Who got out of theater completely? Because you know, some did and just said, I can't do it. The right. hustle is too much. Who was that? Was it someone unexpected like Coco or Montgomery? I don't know. Or Leroy. How did Leroy do? Ugh. So many questions. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going right. to talk about some fun facts. All right, so a few things about the movie. So Debbie Allen commented in interviews that the role of Lydia was originally much bigger in the original script. She was supposed to be a star dance student who was Coco's competition. Oh. So there was going to be a rivalry between the two of them. But then that would have been they amazing. cut that role down because Debbie Allen looked older than the rest of the students. Yeah. And her coming in as a freshman, it would have been odd. Right. Allen believes they didn't want her to outshine Irene Cara. <laughs> oh, I love it. Of course she believes that. But then she went on to become the star of the TV show Fame and was on there for five years. As a teacher or as a student? Mm-hmm. She was a teacher. Okay. So I was waiting for her big like speech about Fame because right. her speech is iconic. And I was like, when is the oh. speech coming? But it actually happened on the TV show, gotcha. not in the movie. Gotcha. Now, the school is based on the real-life Fiorello LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and Performing Arts in Manhattan. This is a public school and available to any New York City high school student. You just have to successfully audition. So during the scene where they're all dancing to fame on the street, Mm -hmm. that song hadn't been written yet. So the song that they were using to dance to was Hot Stuff by Donna Summer because the beats were similar to the proposed songs. They kind of had the idea of what the song was going to sound like and the direction. They just hadn't written it and Irene Cara hadn't performed it yet. So, Oh my God. I want to put that on and mute the movie. And see what it oh, looks like. I really want to do that. There's some funky totally. dancing. Y'all back, I will say, you guys back in that time. The body rolls. Y'all were feeling, you guys were feeling with every inch of your body. And there Head was no shame at all in any move you made. Nope. And it was very sexual. Oh, yeah. Well, we're coming out of the 70s, too. Right. Like the, the hippie movement was still big. So Free love and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it showed in the dancing, even with 15-year-olds auditioning for a, <laughs> right. for a performance art school. So another fun fact from IMDb, Alan Parker said that the film's title is really ironic because the story is actually about failure, personal and professional. Oh. And chasing dreams and the cruel realities of show business, not necessarily reaching that goal of fame. 
That's very true. But I guess fame is the the ultimate goal, right? Right. So, I mean, that's what they're going for. Yeah. So in the original script, Lisa, the girl who was constantly told in dance class that she wasn't good enough, she ended up killing herself in the original script mm-hmm. after she was rejected from the dance department. Um, mm-hmm. This was changed to a suicide attempt after MGM said that the this was too intense for a youth-oriented musical. Right. Um, granted, the movie was rated R still, but they felt that that was just... I'm okay with them changing that. That's, yeah, yeah, that's really heavy. Alan Parker, the director, wanted a scene that showed Doris overcoming her fears and finally stepping into herself as an actress. So he went to a local screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show Mm -hmm. um, just to see what it was about. He loved it so much that he decided he was going to use it in the film. And he had many of the cast from the local screening in the film. So the people were seeing like doing the time warp and yeah. doing the call-outs from the audience, were actually members of that particular theater who do the audience participation. Right, right, right. right. Okay. That's good to hear. Yeah. It was really, I mean, it felt like the Rocky Horror energy. Mm-hmm. And the dude who introduced at the top of yeah. the Rocky Horror, he was actually the president of the club there. Oh, so he okay. actually used everyone. Yeah. A few more fun facts from 80skids.com. Fame was allegedly inspired by a chorus line. Okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. The film was originally... <laughs> oh, God, this cracks me up. It was originally titled Hot Lunch, based on Montgomery's line, all you're guaranteed here is seven classes on a hot lunch. That would have been a terrible, terrible title. They changed the title because Alan Parker saw another film titled Hot Lunch, but it was a porn. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that doesn't. What is that book? Naked Lunch? Naked something? You told me about it years ago. There's one just called Lunch. Yeah. Where a woman has an affair with a dude, like an artist every day at lunch. Nothing good happens at lunch. Nope. (laughs) Nope. So um, the director and the producers wanted the cast to be made up of real students. So they cast students from the real performing arts school in Manhattan as hmm. the backups. Okay. Evidently, Irene Cara didn't impress the producers in her first audition, but things ended up turning around. She actually was a student at the performing arts school in New York, as was Jean Anthony Ray, who played Leroy. So they actually went to school Okay. There. And evidently, his story is very similar to his characters in that he was constantly challenging his teachers, but he was eventually kicked out of the school. So <gasps> he wasn't like Leroy. He eventually had to leave. Oh, how funny. And then he does a movie where he doesn't. Yep. For the same school where he was kicked out of. Wow. <laughs> Hello. Very meta. Full circle. Right? Interesting. Okay. New York's Board of Education refused to let the film shoot in the real School of Performing Arts. I was they just about to so. ask that. Where did they yeah, film they, it? In Chicago. Because the school had films about the sex scenes, the bad language, the mm-hmm. depiction of drug use, suicide, abortion, all of that. They yeah. didn't want that reflected back on their school. So they ended up shooting in Chicago and then shooting some exterior scenes in New York. Most notably, the scene where they dance to fame. Yes. Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, and Michelle Pfeiffer all tried out for various characters and were denied. I'm surprised Patrick Swayze was denied. Mm-hmm. That's the only surprising one. 
I'm here's oh, one that might really okay, surprise you. What? Madonna pursued a number of roles in the film and the TV show and was rejected from them all. That shocks me. Yeah. Oh my Janet god, Jackson. she would have been such a great character. Yeah. Janet Jackson auditioned? She was um considered to be Madonna's 80s music rival if you were a fan of the 80s. Yes. It was like you were either kind of like Tiffany and Debbie, there's always a rivalry. Yes, I love yes. both Janet and Madonna. She actually got cast in the TV show. Okay. But then Madonna would later work with the director of fame because he directed Evita. And oh, so how there funny. was never even though he rejected her constantly, yeah. they kept up a relationship and eventually she was in well, Evita that's for nice. him. Fame was the first film to have multiple songs nominated in the category of Best Song at the Academy Awards. And these were for Fame and then the other song that Irene Cara sings out here on my own. Okay. And then Fame won. Oh, good. Did she write then, that one or no? I don't know if she wrote it or if she co-wrote it. I know she wrote Flashdance. Right. What a feeling. I don't know if she wrote Fame Which she won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Good job, girl. And then Paul McCrane, who played Montgomery wrote the song Can I Call You Mine, the one he sings for Ralph. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he actually wrote that himself. Oh, what talented children. Mm -hmm. How old were they? Do you know? I looked them up. And so like Bruno, the guy who played Bruno, and I think the guy who played Montgomery, I think they were like 18 or 19. Okay. Irene Cara was 20. Okay. Ralph was like 21 or 22. And then Maureen Teefee, who looked younger than all of them, was like 27 or 28. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Not what I expected. Nope. So first line of the the movie is, I always worry that maybe people aren't going to like me when I go to a party. And that's Montgomery. He was giving his monologue Mm -hmm. for his audition. Mm -hmm. He had the first line of the show. Now, the last line was the last line of dialogue is spoken in the last scene before the senior senior showcase where Ralph completely bombs and Monty goes back to talk to him at the comedy show. And their last line is, come on, let's get out of here. Then the movie actually ends with the seniors singing and performing to the body electric. And the last line of that song is, and in time we will all be stars. Hmm. Or were they? Or were they? We'll never know, Odell. <sighs> Who died of a drug overdose? That's what I want to know. Oh, God. You so we kind of touched on this a little mm-hmm. bit, but I want to do a bit of a walk in their shoes. Imagine that we were at the school. Girl, we would have had so much fun <laughs> at that school. Okay. So, but I we're each like, other or we're yeah, ourselves. We're ourselves, okay. we're ourselves okay. but we're at the school. So, First of all, because some of some of the students were like multiple threats, they studied different areas. Some of them were just in one place. Mm-hmm. Where would you have been? I feel like I would have been the multiple threats because back then I was heavy into dance lessons. I mm-hmm. would have been considered one of the singers who could dance, but in the mm-hmm. higher level of dance and then the high level of singing. I don't know that I would have gotten into acting at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I feel like. I would have, I definitely would have tried. Mm-hmm. That's the only one I, I may not have, but definitely singing and dancing. I think I would have gotten in. Do you think he would have like played an instrument too? I wouldn't have wanted to uh-huh. back at that age. 
I which is funny I because that's what to. you focus on now. I know. And you don't do the dancing scene. And I prefer anymore. like music directing to acting and anything. So yeah, right. it's definitely changed. But back then, from what I what I remember is, I mean, I refused to like join anything like band or orchestra. That was not yeah. ever going to happen. Yeah, same here. I don't think I really liked. In those situations, you don't really have the opportunity to stand out. And I think I want yeah. I wanted more of an opportunity to be an individual, not part of a, you know, a, a group like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like I never had, I did take some tap and gymnastics when I was younger, but I was always dancing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like had I had the opportunity Dancing and acting would have been my focus. I never had proper voice lessons, so I don't have the confidence in my voice. So I don't think I would have gone that route. But definitely, I think I feel like acting would have been where I would have focused with some dance as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Who would have been your friends? Like out of those people, our main characters, (sighs) would you have gravitated to any of them? Hmm. Uh, I would have, I feel like I would have kind of loved Leon. One of those like. Leroy, you mean? Or Leroy. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I would have. I feel like I would have been besties with Monty. Yeah. You know, I really. Yeah. I feel like I would have hung out with Doris and Monty. Mm Mm-hmm. I probably would have hung out with him too, but I also feel like, because I had such a crush on Bruno back in the day, yes, that I would have hung out with him and Coco just watching them create because I would have been so in awe of their musical, like the ability to create that music. So I would have been in there like crushing on Bruno, kind of like Monty was crushing on Ralph, but I would have been friends with Doris and Monty for sure. Yeah. I would have, Ralph would have got on my nerves. So I would have been yeah, like, oh, there's you're kind no of a thorn on the side, with, but you're yeah, there, I have been you're dating Doris, whatever. And I would have respected Leroy, but I would have been afraid of him. Like That's I wouldn't want to be like, completely like by his side, but I would have like, I want, would have wanted him to like me. Yes. So that I wasn't I think that's target. what I mean more than anything. <laughs> right. Like I'd want to keep him close. You know, I would not want to be a target. Same with Ralph. I would not want to be a target of him. He was kind of a dick, kind of Mm -hmm. a bully. Yeah. I don't think I would have enjoyed that at all. However, I would have wanted to just, it's funny because I say I would have wanted the opportunity to stand out, but only in those categories. Yeah. I would not wanted, I, I, I don't think I would have wanted to stand out in, uh, the social arena right at all yeah see and i'm such a blender that i don't know that i would have made it at the school because i'm perfectly fine i don't want to be the star Mm -hmm. i just want to be the background character i want to fill things out i want to experience it but i don't need to be the center of attention yeah that is where we're different Mm -hmm. (laughs) on stage that's definitely where we're different yeah all right yeah the same reason i didn't want to join an orchestra or band yeah i don't want to join a chorus yeah. Kind of hard when you're <laughs> going to try to work your way up. It's a little difficult. All right. Anything else to say about fame? 
so much better than I remember. Yeah. I remember watching the movie, like I said, after watching the TV show and I was a little underwhelmed, but and so I never focused on it until I watched it again. And it's been probably since what, 1986, since I last saw it. It's yeah, not it's one been that I a minimum out. of 25 years for me. Minimum. And, uh, I loved it watching it this time around. I did too. As soon as I finished it, I was like, holy shit, I want to watch that again. It was was very, very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. So much better than I remembered. Yeah. Did you ever do the stage show of fame? I never did. Have you ever seen it? I did. um, No, and I never saw it. I haven't either. I'm curious as to how closely it follows. Yeah. I did do, um, there was a show I did called Dancing Down Dream Street, <laughs> where it was all 80s songs. Uh-huh. And so there was a dance number to fame. I just remember that we jumped up, fame, and then went down on the floor. Okay. Well, I think you need to do the song in the band now. Done. I totally agree with you. We need to do some Irene Cara. All right. Are you ready for some trivia? Uh, y- yes. Well, you're going to get some trivia, whether you're ready or not. Okay. Yeah. Just give it. Go, All go, right. go. First question. What Holocaust survivor, also the author of the acclaimed 1960 book, Night, was a Eli Weisel. Yes. <laughs> I love that book. Not I know, love I read it, it, but too. you know, it's, it's it brilliant. It's an amazing book. What type of computer printer typically required the use of perforated paper with holes along both edges? Dot Laser matrix? Print- Yes. Thank you. I haven't even had a chance to hit the... I can still hear that dot matrix printer. Mm-hmm. And it took like 50 minutes to <laughs> print like two pages. Yeah, and especially <laughs> depending on the um, the print that you decided on. Oh, I loved watching it. It was just so cool. <laughs> what is the name of Scooby-Doo's high-energy nephew who loves to shout puppy power and let me at him? Scrabby-Doo? Scrabby-Doo? Scrabby? Almost. Saggy-Doo? Sabby-Doo? Scrab? Scrubby? Scrubby-Doo? Sappy-Doo? Scrappy. Scrappy. Damn it. (laughs) All right. What political and economic group did Greece join on January 1st, 1981, becoming its 10th member? Political and... What? Uh, the Republican Party? The Democratic Party? What? No, the European Union. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, Greece, the country. You thought the movie? I was like, movies join? Like, political things? What? Okay, last one. Which Saturday morning cartoon was based on a popular book series and starred grizzlies known as Mama, Papa, Brother, and Sister? Berenstein Bears. Goldilocks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Was there actually a cartoon called Goldilocks? I don't think so, but I was just going to start out shouting out things (laughs) with bears. (laughs) All right. So you got three out of five. Okay. I'll take it. All right, last thing we need to do, we got to spin the wheel for my next movie. We're choosing yes. from my 15 picks. All right, are you ready? I'm going to shuffle I'm it. Ready. And okay. I'm turning it. Hold. Ooh. 
we will be doing. Oh, damn. I wish. Ooh. Okay. I'm actually very happy about this. What? Death Becomes Her. Oh, my God. I love that it's movie It's a great so movie. We almost got the one I really want on your list. What? Mermaids. I love that one, too. I love that movie. All right. Death Becomes Her. Love oh, it in two weeks. So and then next week is one of my favorite 80s movies ever. Aaron will be leading us for some kind of wonderful. Oh, I'm very excited to watch that one again. Yes. So good. Be sure to join us next week. Have a good week. Go watch Bye. Fame. Oh, yes. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to tell all of your friends about us, especially any fellow Gen Xers. And don't forget to follow us on social media and your favorite podcast app. And be sure you're set to auto-download so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. Don't forget to visit backwherewebelong.com to gain access to our ultimate playlists, pick up some merch, and do a deeper dive into all of our episodes. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. 